This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Jay Harris from the New York Mets. Welcome to our Mets alumni podcast. Jonathan, um, uh, a long time ago on my 50th birthday, in my house, you were a welcome guest. You did something that night to terrorize me and caused me to have a heart attack. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I still have the scar from it. That's for sure. I remember that uh, we had gotten you a cake and we had gotten you a table that we cut out the middle of the table and I put my head through the table and then we put a pot over my head to say that uh, the cake was underneath it. And... Uh, when you came in, everybody was singing happy birthday, and they told you to lift up to look at the cake. When you lift up the, the pot off the, the table, you saw it was me, and I screamed happy birthday to you, and threw the pot and hit me in the head with it. <laughs> well, thankfully, I made my 51st birthday. Hey, you let, made your 51st birthday, and that's the, that's the last strike you ever threw. Yes. Yeah. Hey, let me throw a couple of stats at you. 424 saves of, of, of third, uh, fifth all-time, First among all left-handers, um, four All-Star games, uh, Mets Hall of Fame, St. John's Hall of Fame, um, m- made the Mets 40th anniversary team. And yet, and yet, you've been criticized through your career. You're too short, you don't throw hard enough, and you're not the prototypical uh, reliever. Does, does that, how much of that kind of criticism bother you? Well, at first it did, but you know what? You really can't... Uh can't worry about what people have said to you, you know, say about you. You have to go on the field. You have to do your job and, and do it the best you can and let, let your numbers and your actions on the field take care of everything else. Uh, everybody's going to have opinions, and some people are going to have good opinions, and some are going to have bad opinions. So uh, I really, at, you know, early in my career, I made that bother me, but uh, as I got older, I realized uh, that, uh, you know, everyone has opinions, and you can't control those things. How about your, your longevity, Johnny? 21 years, 1,119 games, fifth all-time. What do you attribute to the fact you kept going and going and going through, you, through your career? Well, stayed injury-free most of it. Uh, a lot of hard work in the off-season. You know, I used to take two weeks off and then uh, rest my body and then go right into training. But uh, I think it was a lot of hard work, uh, eating right. And uh, just being dedicated, uh, always wanting to strive to be better and better year after year. You know, I know a lot of you pitched a lot of games. I just want to talk about two games in particular. The second game in the division series in, in 2000, we had lost the first game at home. We had a lead in the ninth inning. The second game lost it. You came in and got the, the save in the tenth inning for a five to four win. We won the next two after that. Um, there's a big picture of you all over of you striking out Barry Bonds for the third out of that game. What did, what did that game mean to you? Well, it meant that uh, if we would have lost, we would have been down two games to none, that's for sure. But uh, just the way the, the team hung in there, that, that 2000 team is a very special team. And uh, unfortunately for me, I was, you know, Bobby brought me in in a situation to where uh, Mondo had come back out in the ninth or tenth inning and got the leadoff guy on, and uh, he wasn't himself that day. So they brought me in and I faced quite a pretty good hitters and 
the last hitter was Barry Barnes, and uh, all the years that we've had some battles, he's gotten some hits off me. I've gotten him out, but uh, this particular time, I kind of fooled him with a three-two changeup because I have never thrown him a changeup before, and I kind of kind of froze him and uh, struck him out. And then uh, following day, I think uh, when I pitched against him. Also, I think he was looking for the changeup, and I struck him out with a high fastball. So those are two particular games that really stick out in my head. Uh, you know, the 2000 season was real special. How about the World Series? Game three, uh, the only game we won in the World Series against the Yankees. Uh, you, you got you got our only win in, in Chase Stadium. That had to be a pretty big moment for you too, huh? Yeah, it was. You know, waited almost 17, 18 years to get into the playoffs and World Series, and finally. Uh, I contributed to, you know, obviously in the playoffs, get that big save. And then in the World Series, unfortunately, we lost to the Yankees. But uh, I did uh, wind up getting the win. I was in the right place, right time. And uh, it's exciting and something I always remember that, uh, you know, at least I have a World Series win underneath my belt. Yeah. Johnny, how about the Hall of Fame? I mean, going back to the, my first question, the fact that you weren't, a, you know, per se, a strikeout pitcher, do you think that hurt you in the Hall of Fame voting that you really didn't get the credit you deserved through the years for that part of it? Well, I don't think so. I mean, uh, it's disappointing. I mean, I don't think Dennis Eckersley is a strikeout pitcher, and I don't think Bruce Sudo is a strikeout pitcher. So, uh, you know, the, the Hall of Fame is based on numbers, and, uh, you know, uh, the magic number for hitters are 3,000 hits for 500 home runs for pro pitches is 300 wins. And for relievers, I mean, anything over 350 saves or 300 saves should be uh, – not an automatic in there, but at least get you to stay on the ballot for a little longer. So I was kind of disappointed in that, but uh, it is what it is, and you move on. Yeah. Can I just talk numbers for a second? You came to the Mets number 31, and when we got Mike Piazza in 1997, you graciously gave him the number, and you took, uh, you know, Tug McGraw's number 45. How did that come about, that switch in numbers? Well, I just felt like I grew up as a Tug McGraw fan. And uh, I thought Mike was one of the most recognizable players, the top players in the game at the time. And uh, I always liked 45, and he was number 31. So I, I thought it was a good time to switch, uh, make him feel comfortable, and uh, made me feel comfortable wearing the, the guy who I idolized growing up. Johnny, you know, your legacy on the field is great. I mean, nobody would, would doubt that. But if you look at what you've done off the field, you know, some people might say that your legacy off the field is just as equal just give me a list of some of the awards you won for uh, your humanitarian service. Thurman Menson, Roberto Clemente, Joan Payson, you're honored by your university, St. John's, CYO Award, uh, Lou Gehrig Award, and by the Firemen's House, Firemen of New York City. What was your guiding thing through the years that made you always want to give back? Was there a role model or somebody who taught you what the right thing to do was? Well, there's, I think there's a number of things. You know, growing up, uh, parents always told you to give back. Don't forget where you come from. And then being surrounded by some good players. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by uh, a relief pitcher named Tom Hume in Cincinnati, who I've learned a lot from, how to act on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, just giving back to some uh, less unfortunate people who need help. I mean, also the Heart Foundation and the Cancer Society. You know, I lost my dad to a heart attack, my mom to cancer. And then anything, uh, obviously, with the March of Dimes, I did a number of uh, years with them. My wife, Rose, and I were big, big uh, contributors to the March of Dimes. You know, but you always try to give back, especially being born and raised in New York. You want to give back to the local charities and try to help them out as much as you can. And, you know, 
the police and firemen and, and the civil service workers here in the city do a lot of work and sometimes they don't get enough credit for it so you want to recognize them too so um, every every little charity means quite a bit to me and my family but uh, I think in today's game uh, there's a lot of players who don't do that but there are also a lot of players who do do that You've always, you know, not, haven't forgotten your roots, you know, whether it's Brooklyn or Staten Island. And specifically, you know, you have a great allegiance to your university, St. John's. Uh, I know you help Eddie Blank Meyer recruit for the uh, baseball team, and you're friendly with Chris Mullen on the basketball team. So you really go back for a lot for dinners, and I know you try and support your programs there too a lot, right? Yeah, they have a uh, they have a baseball banquet every January that I go back to and support that and. Uh, uh, you know, go to quite a few basketball games to support Chris. Chris was at St. John's. Uh, I'm two years older than him, I believe, and uh, we became friends then. And over the course of the year, playing around the country, when we were in San Diego, I believe he was there on the, uh, the Olympic team uh, practicing and got to spend some time with him there also. But uh, he's another Brooklynite, uh, a guy who's done great, has a great career, one of the top 50 basketball players in the, in the world. So, uh, I'm glad for him, and I'm glad that he's starting to get the St. John's program, basketball program, in the right direction. And Coach Blankmeyer has done a tremendous job for, uh, I don't know, over 20 years that he's been at St. John's, uh, one of the winningest coaches in uh, college history. And year in, year out, he comes up with a competitive uh, a team that uh, they're always in the thick of things in the NCAAs. Johnny, uh, May of 2001, you were named the team captain by the players. How big a thrill was that for you to be the you know the, the captain in the Mets? I think it was, uh, it was a big thrill. I mean, uh, you very rarely see a relief pitcher as a captain of the team. So I think that the way the guys respected me and the way, I, you know, as long as I've been around and they see me as a team leader, uh, I was very honored for that uh, for that spot. Uh, to this day, there's always have been three other guys besides me so it's an honor uh and uh, I, I cherished it and, and, I, and i enjoyed it so but five months after you become captain the team in the city of faith with a great tragedy 9-11 you know and, and i was really proud to be a part of that team with you and al Leiter and you know and um, robin vittor and ton zio we we did a lot for the community talk about the stuff that you did, you know, donating a, a salary to the police, uh, wearing the hats and the countless visits to the firehouses and everything like that. Well, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, the Met organization was the, you know, the forefront of this, uh, of the tragedy. Uh, you know, uh, the Wupon family and, uh, you know, give a lot of credit to Bobby Valentine. Uh, you know, a bunch of the players, we went down to Ground Zero, met some of the, some of the firemen, policemen handed out some hats, shirts, just the little things that we can do to make them uh, relax a little bit, let them, you know, put a smile on their face for a little bit. But uh, uh, it was an important time for the, us and the organization and every player on the team who donated their day's salary uh, to wear their hats, uh, the firemen, police, Port Authority hats during the season. Uh, we were told not to, but we, we went against it, and uh, we decided as a team we were going to wear those hats the rest of the season. And with the help of uh, Mr. Wilpon and, and Todd Zio, who was our player rep at the time, uh, the commissioner kind of agreed with us, and we got to wear those hats the rest of the season. But just the little things that we did to put a little Band-Aid on a, a really, really sad situation. Uh, my teammates and I, and, uh, and uh, obviously, like I said before, Bobby Valentine, yeah, if you're in a foxhole, that's the guy you want with you. 
and then the, uh, the you know at that at Shea Stadium, the relief center where the, our teammates were. You know, we 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 had practice for two hours and then go out to the to the parking lot and unload tractor trailers, unload tractor trailers or whatever they had in it, and just the little things that we can do to help out. Talk about that night, the first game after the attacks. You pitched in that game that was Mike's home run. You talk about the atmosphere of that that night. Well, it was totally different from uh, the previous you know, week or two before because you would just drive into the stadium and say hello to the security guard there and, and go into the parking lot. But this particular time, obviously, the whole world has changed. The whole country has changed where you could drive in and there were police, uh, New York City police, bomb sniffing dogs and, and uh, emergency workers uh, with machine guns and uh, all over the stadium. You had snipers on the roof, uh, uh, guys, uh, bomb sniffing dogs going in the locker room. So uh, it totally changed. It was kind of an eerie uh, feeling. Uh, even as the game was going on, it was kind of quiet. It was sold out, uh, but it was kind of quiet and eerie and, you know, just laid back, really nothing for the fans to cheer about until Mike hit that home run. And then it was just like a big sign of relief. Uh, you, I mean, even to this day, when I talk about it, I get goosebumps. Uh, when you turn around and look in the stands and how everybody was cheering, jumping up and crying and hugging each other and uh, waving a USA flag. And, and uh, it was really uplifting for the you know, New York City for the two and a half, three hours that we played the game to, to make them forget about the tragedy down at the lower Manhattan. You know, let me go off the beaten path a little bit. You know, I know you were a vote of gratitude for a lot of things, but you basically told me how to react in a major league locker room. You know, your advice to me was, um, you know, be able to laugh at yourself. Of, you know, don't take anything seriously. And you, the number one thing sticks in my mind. You said, if the boys don't like you, they won't screw with you. And you know, exactly. And <laughs> thanks to you through the years, uh, a lot of it. By your own, you know, uh, ingenuity, you screwed with me a lot, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Let me go back a couple <laughs> of things that happened. You put a rat in my work bag, not once but twice. Put eye black on my binoculars. Uh, up in the press box, I looked like little Petey on the Rascals because I had these big rings around my black eyes. I didn't know what they were from. You cut my ties. You always replace the ties, though, at the end of the year. Put white out of my glasses. Uh, Two, two of my favorites, though, Johnny, I know you, two of my favorites were the thing at the hotel in, in Los Angeles. You uh, had the ingenuity to unscrew the lights in my room, uh, unscrew, <laughs> took the lights in my room, got a horse head from the lobby, put the horse head under my sheets, put ketchup on my pillows. When I walked in the room, it was like a, I had, thought I had a dead horse in my bed, and I was at another heart attack. Is that, was that one of your favorites? Um, it was up there. There's a couple that we probably can't mention. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Another one. You left out the handcuff to your suitcase. Yeah. You I, I, the I, ice cream bar. Yeah. Jackets. Yeah. <laughs> I used to put uh, it's just a Playboy in my scorebook. I want to get up to the scorebook thing. <laughs> and if people thought I was some kind of a pervert looking at my scorebook, I had pictures of women in my scorebook. <laughs> but what are my all time favorites? Yeah, so you, you get, go ahead, what are you going to say? No, no, no. One of my all-time favorites where you and you had an accomplice with this, with Brett Saberhagen and you, tied me to a stretcher, wheeled me out to uh, Pitcher's Mound in St. Lucie, put breadcrumbs on my chest, and the ducks came down, ate the breadcrumbs on my chest. <laughs> that was pretty good, right? Yeah, that was... The
that was my all time favorite because you are the most uncoordinated person that I ever met. And when we taped you to the table and bring you out to the mound, uh, you forgot that we had the, the hose on. So it was like raining while you were out there and we gave you a scissor and we put it in your left hand. And for, for to this day, I still don't know how you did it. You flipped the scissor from your left hand and you caught it with your right hand being taped down and you cut yourself free. And we had that all on video and we played it. I remember we played it, uh, uh, opening day batting practice before the fans came in. And it was just, a, it was, it was one of the, the biggest thrill that I've saw you do Jay in a long time. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> good. Yeah. And in fact, I was always learning that lesson, never take anything seriously. Hey, just wrapping up, Johnny, I don't know if the fans realize you're still closely tied with the Mets in a couple of things. You're a club ambassador and during the spring, you go to spring training and, you know, there for 10 days. And tell me what, what, what exactly does a club ambassador do if you let our fans know? Well, basically, uh, during the home games, I go around to the, to the, uh, suites, uh, corporate suites and our sponsors and go on to their suites and shake hands, take some photos and sign autographs. And before the games, I go on the field when we have some uh, charity groups and uh, the same down there, we take some photographs and uh, introduce some of the the younger kids to uh, some of our players. And then uh, off the field, we have some banquets and dinners that, uh, uh, you know, do some community service stuff and, uh, uh, and represent the organization that way. And then in spring training, I go down for 10 days and work with uh, some of the big leaguers and some of the minor leaguers. Hey, Johnny, last question. Thank you for uh, helping out with this. On my, on my 75th birthday, do you promise to jump out of another cake? Uh, whatever you want, pal. You know that. I'm there for you. <laughs> You're always a big guy. You're always a big Johnny. Thanks a lot, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, man. You're welcome, Jay. No Bye. problem. Bye. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.